Be good. Hello there, listener. Welcome to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew, and I've got a special interview for you right now that I'm not going to delay with anything other than a description of the scene where it was recorded. In, uh, outside of San Miguel de Allende, on a beautiful weekend morning, at a polo match in a very fancy neighborhood, I met this incredible human being, and we had the following discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Buenos días, me llamo uh, Forky, yo trabajo en el basura. Yo me llamo Aisa y yo soy en la competencia de los caballos y yo a Halloween. Me llamo Stephanie, yo trabajo en el abellones yo como insectos. Yo me llamo Leisa y yo soy la proteja de los caballos. Y yo soy de dejarlo y de los metidos y dejarlo. Yo soy Fernando. De, yo eh, profesor de historia. Eh, yo como um, la mesa. Yo prefiero que yo me presento a Eloisa y soy la competencia y de los caballos y de Carlos y los vendidos de Halloween. ¿sí? ¡Ay, la agua! Yo soy Pele. Yo caminando en uh, la luna y yo uh, como um, uh, bolsas. Yo me llamo Eloisa y yo me voy de la silla y de la mesa y de la de la silla. Está bien. Eh, Perfecto. Muy bien. Gracias. Okay. That was Eloisa, the daughter of the two people we are actually going to give you for an interview this week. For I don't know if interview is the right word, but anyhow, we, uh, we met these two wonderful human beings in San Miguel de Allende, and I'll, I'll tell you about them in a minute, but for right now... I want to describe where I'm sitting. I'm on a beach in the state of Oaxaca, and I kind of feel like I'm split in two directions. 
On one side, I'm sitting with a conscious and subconscious mind. I feel like I've just barely, barely explored. And in the other direction, I'm on a beach, which I've barely explored, in a state in Mexico which I've not even scratched the surface, in the country of Mexico, where we have got so much to see and it's such a rich and unexplored place for us on a planet called Earth that we know nothing about in a solar system and a galaxy and a universe about which I know I mean as close to nothing as you can really get so in all this exploration and all these question asking moments and places I find myself the more we look and the more we dig the more we just do not know and it's not a new insight by any means but it's kind of comforting and that being ignorant yeah, not in the pejorative sense but just ignorant of things is you're kind of off the hook in a way because no matter what you're never going to know it all you're just going to know what you can know and be glad that you got the opportunity to not know everything else ask all the questions you can ask I guess I don't know anyhow life is good life's real good it's a nice cloudy day here a cloudy day on the ocean uh, is to me almost as good as a sunny day on the ocean it's just beautiful here I'm going to shut up about that and tell you about our guests Paula and Julia they run a restaurant a couple restaurants in San Miguel de Allende called 1010 PA they also have full time jobs in Mexico City and uh, their story to me is kind of fascinating we just we met them at the restaurant by chance they, they just happened to be going to one of the two we happened to be eating there hoping to surprise our friend and former podcast guest Fernanda Reyes who you you heard from before if you listened to her episode um, they're cousins Fernanda Julia and um, and Paula are all are all cousins they grew up together and um, Julia and Paula lost their father, which was uh, Fernanda's uncle, who was sort of the patriarch behind these restaurants. And uh, I don't know the result of all that, that passing and that loss and uh, the family dynamic in Mexico, all of it's really fascinating to me just to sort of watch good people operate. Good and smart people operate is, uh, is cool. And they do a great job. The food is wonderful. If you have any interest in going to San Miguel de Allende, which I, I cannot suggest it enough, it's a wonderful place, you got to go eat there. They're, both of the restaurants are delicious, and they're fun, and it's, it's a good place to be. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk to those guys about travel, about restauranting, about polo, which is hilarious that we went to a polo match. Um, and tacos. We talked a little bit about tacos. And we talked about the Mexican Independence Day, which is uh, around the time we were there. It was really beautiful and really cool and uh, interesting to see how uh, the divide between nationalism and just being like kind of proud of where you live because it's cool. I don't know if I read that right, but it felt good to me anyhow. So, yeah, here come... Uh, Paula and Julia talking to you about their restaurants 1010 PA spelled 10 like the number 10 twice and the word pie for us in English P-I-E but in Espanol it's PA which is really cool if you're enjoying these episodes feel free to let me know what you think but more importantly go to iTunes or Stitcher one of those wherever you listen to this podcast and give a review. It's uh, it's kind of helpful. Uh, it helps me, and it helps the algorithm that makes sure that people hear your stuff uh, feel comfortable sharing it. 
Um, and it's not, I mean, if you're like posting stuff on social media, it's not any more difficult than that to leave a review. It's pretty easy. Don't second guess yourself. You're smart. You can do it. Leave us a review. Tell everybody what you think. And if you're so inclined, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash monkey tooth. That's always cool. Or third option, you don't have to do anything. You can just click buttons and listen to this shit for free because we like doing it and it doesn't matter that much whether or not you support us financially. You can just listen and enjoy and meet these cool people that we're getting to meet and enrich your life with their wisdom. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it because it was awesome. Until next time, adios. Thank you both so very much for being uh, just hospitable to us. I know we've just been in your restaurant and in your town, but the moment we met you guys, we felt welcome and part of your family almost. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because we've met other members of your family or if you're just normally like this, but thank you. It means a lot to us because um, we're never around any kind of family. <laughs> so it feels good. Oh, you're welcome. It's our pleasure. Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. We saw you, we thought we knew you or somebody knew you and it was like just, it's normal for us to... Uh, maybe be in the same frequency as someone and just be open and like just take yeah. them in you know with whatever we can show them it's we're super happy to do it it's, it's just sharing <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful so I'm with uh, Paula and Julia what's your last name? I don't even know your last name Villa Señor I can't say that <laughs> Villa so Villa Villa Señor oh Señor Villa Señor yes. okay I can't say that lo siento <laughs> uh, we um I guess I'll give some context. I'll, we met you at 1010 PA, the same restaurant where we met your cousin, Fernanda, who has also been on this podcast. We had no idea that we would be coming to San Miguel. We thought we were going somewhere else, and we just kind of came randomly and thought we would surprise your cousin, but instead uh, we got you two and your hilarious little daughter. We'll talk about all that stuff in a second. But first, uh, we're in kind of a busy little restaurant on Independence Day. Uh, in Mexico, Can, would one of you want to tackle why, like, what is today about for people in Mexico? Sure. Um, Independence Day is se September 15th, so it's not Cinco de Mayo, no. what everybody thinks. <laughs> right. um, Independence Day is, <clears throat> what we celebrate is the day when a famous priest called for independence from the Spaniards in a town that's very ne nearby here that is called Dolores Hidalgo. And San Miguel de Allende was actually one of the hubs of this independence war. So it was like where it all originated. So it's San Miguel de Allende, Querétaro and Dolores are like the three towns where the whole um, independence, the insurgency was planned and conceptualized and where it started. So it's the beginning of the War of Independence that lasted, I think, ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Um, it was. It happened in 1810. So for this area of the country, it's it's very important in all of Mexico. It's celebrated across Mexico, but in this area specifically, it's especially important. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, celebration and. Um, yeah, reenactments, and you'll see like people in horses, like dressed up as the era and just like yeah. acting this war um so yeah that's why we're very proud of our independence yeah what can i say i, so I get it tonight is so tonight is the big night where everybody goes to the main plaza every every town in mexico will have this celebration so you'll go to the main square and any government body will come out of a building and they will scream and that's what you might have heard it's like this viva mexico and everybody screams viva and everybody gets super excited it's very patriotic and they they celebrate all the heroes of the independence and then there's like a lot of drinking and a lot of fireworks afterwards so that's like at midnight yeah. and then we have the 16th like a free day right. so that's like the independence no, no working 
hangover. Yeah, Everybody's hungover. partying. So tonight is gonna be like a super crazy yeah. fireworks night. And people keep telling me in many towns since Baja until now, people say, "Do not hang out with a Mexican if you have shit to do tomorrow." Like, don't hang out with a Mexican tonight if you have shit to do tomorrow because you will not make it. But we hung out with you guys last night and we made it to a polo match, which is like, of all the things that have surprised me in my expectations of what I would be doing in Mexico, going to a polo match has got to be at the top of the list. I never thought I would be seeing polo. And I watched you, Julia, play polo today, which you learned in India? Uh, yes, I started... I lived in India for five years and I wanted to ride because I've always liked horses and I ended up in a polo school and the guy was like, I teach polo, what do you want? I, I just wanted to ride and I was like, okay, I'll learn polo. Like, I just want to ride horses and if it's polo, it's polo, it's fine. So I started and I really liked it and I studied for two years. Where, where in India? In New Delhi. New Delhi. And then when I came back to Mexico, I didn't know where to play and then I knew that San Miguel had a polo club and then, so I got in contact and then I started playing like a year and a half ago okay. like really playing matches and training more and so today was like a friendly match and I just yeah I think and it's the won. most exciting you scored a thing. goal I scored a goal you knocked some people around nobody fell nobody fell yeah <laughs> the horses survived. You the survived. horses survived, and yeah. but it's really exciting. It's like adrenaline yeah. pure thing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I had no concept of what polo was really like. I didn't realize you switch horses throughout the thing. I mean, there's quite a lot of crazy rules, and it's a very involved game. Yeah, so it's four horses per player and four players per team, and it's about scoring goals like a football match. Right. But then you, every time you score a goal at the end of the field you change sides. sides because the horses need the length of the field to get speed gain speed and score again and you need to have that distance to actually do a strategy where you pass it on you pass it to the pe to the person in the front so the person in the front what i was playing i was playing number one mm -hmm. number one is the worst player so it's like the lowest stakes <laughs> Because you you need to go to the front and they'll give you passes, and then you score. Right. So the number one is the one the one who scores, but the better players are in the back because they're defending and they are changing the game. That is mainly what happens. Right. Switching, yeah, the play back and forth. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that they put the the lower skilled player at the scoring position, so yes. you get like some glory. You get a, yeah, you get glory because you're bad. <laughs> you're not really good at it. That's cool. Conceptually, I like the way that that turns around. That's nice. Yeah. All right, I promise we won't make this a polo podcast. We'll talk about many other things, but I just was kind of fascinated by that whole thing. Uh, Tiffany has been wanting to go see a polo match for a long time. I, my wife is an onion. I had no idea she had an interest in polo. Uh -huh. I know she likes horses, but anyhow, so it's very cool that we got to tick that off the box. Yeah, that's great. And it was, not, I mean, I think it's a nice setting. It's not so fancy. It's just like people there having fun. It's beautiful. I mean, it is a fancy place a and fancy it is a lot of money, cool. but, <laughs> but it's like... Low-key, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's low-key fancy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll buy that. Low-key fancy. Yeah. <laughs> But so, what I really want to get to um, with you two, I mean, you're both very interesting and very hard-working people. Uh, and if it's cool with you guys, um, I want to talk to you about your dad uh, and what you guys are up to, because you're in a unique position. And if I can just give a little context, uh, a little over a year ago, your father passed away. And you have inherited a number of projects from him, not the least of which is Tin Tin PA, which is two restaurants in San Miguel de Allende employees kind of a crazy mess of a thing to turn around and turn into a really nice 
Like they're both the places are fantastic. The food's great. The service is really friendly, and evidently that's not been the case in in what you inherited. It's it's uh, you guys have done a job and a half turning the thing around. So maybe if you don't mind, just kind of tell me about your dad and like what happened to you guys last year. Okay. Um, so my father passed suddenly. It was very unexpected. Um, and both Julia and myself, we had our lives just going for us. We were both, we are both, as you say, very hardworking. I do communications and PR, and Julia is an art curator and also art communicator. And we, we never really thought about um, inheriting my dad's businesses. We had our thing, right? Like, it was not something that we were um, necessarily planning or even expecting. So when my father passed, we just two restaurants landed in our laps basically and the thing with restaurants is they're very very f fragile they're very easy to bankrupt <laughs> um, and they're very hard to manage so we have been basically learning by failing and then having a couple success at this restaurant management um, business so yeah, basically, the, the restaurant was very much my father's identity. So it was, May he opened the first Tentempié when he was, I don't know, 36, maybe. Um, the town was a completely different town. It was very, very small. How old was he when he passed? He was 64. 64. So it was almost shy of 30 years he had this restaurant. Um, and it's really funny to remember, like right now you see San Miguel and it's so full of life and everybody's walking around and there's so many things going on. But in reality, when my father opened, people would not wander away from the main square really? because they thought like people would tell my dad, like your restaurant is very far from the main square. I don't think yeah. you're going to make it. It's wow. one block away just for <laughs> for reference. Yes, it's very close. Um, and he really struggled. He he worked his ass off. There's no other way of putting it. Um, for eight or nine years, he was in that restaurant every day with his um, denim apron and just being very friendly and smiley, um, receiving everyone that would come, struggling to make ends meet for a very long time. And he created this whole community of friends they're called amigos tentempie they actually have this chat that i'm a part of now um and it's basically a, a large community of people who came here like and, and it's very diverse group um and they all gathered at tentempie and they would meet there for dinner or for playing domino my dad was also a big player he loved to play backgammon and domino and chess and poker and whatever game came his way so when he had this restaurant he he would play chess and and bagaman and poker and it was kind of a meeting center for friends um he also traded a lot of food for art so we also got quite an interesting art collection that is um paid entirely in tacos <laughs> <laughs> which is a pretty cool deal it's very cool and then when Tantempia sort of picked up, um, it was the first restaurant to have um, tables outside, for example. That was like a complete innovation for the town. There were no outside tables with shades that you see now everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. It was the first one. That's cool. um, and then a couple of, of years later, a friend of mine opened this um, grill in San Antonio, in this street that nobody gave two cents for there were no houses it was like sterling dickinson was the end of town so my friend opened this re this restaurant and she couldn't manage it it was hard work see. a lot of people open restaurants and there and then are surprised that it's hard work and she was closing it and i told my dad just buy that buy it buy it off her and he didn't want to and I was obsessed with uh, what is now Tentempiel Carbon. And I was very, very, very stubborn. I was like, Dad, just get it. Like, do it, do it, do it. And he got it. And it went really bad for like six or seven years. And he would always tell me, like, Paula, you, like, you made me get into this mess. And now I need to make it work. But in the last years, it really turned around a lot because um, there's a, a large American community that comes every day. And we have a lot of... Um, our clientele is really what you call local. Mm -hmm. It's it's Americans, but they live here, so yeah. it's like 
foreign locals that come a lot and also a lot of Mexicans come. So we do, we do not rely on tourism. Yeah. Unlike the other spot, in the downtown spot really is mainly for tourists. So they're different beasts. Very different, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything. So, well, you were in Panama when your father passed. Where were you? Uh, I was already in Mexico City. I had come back from India for two years already. And Sorry. and I was working at a gallery. And yeah, I pro mainly had my life in Mexico City. I came here every once a month or something to, to see my dad. But my dad had all like... He had been working in it for so long that we really were not part of anything of the restaurant. We were not made part of the way it operated. Yeah. And it was hard to sort of see things and tell him because he was like, don't, you're not, don't mess with me. I am dealing with this. And you, why would you? I got it. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we had a shock. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always regret, um, wasting my conversations with my father not asking him questions about the rest i How never asked work? him anything and then uh, when i got it i was like fuck i didn't ask him how yeah. you manage that's an interesting thing that regret of not having asked questions to people i think that's such an important lesson for anybody listening if your parents are still alive if you still got your parents ask them everything i i, I regret with my father not having I wanted to do this, like this recording that we're doing right now. I wanted to do this sort of thing with my dad, and I never did. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't as easy as it is now to, you know, but still, like, that opportunity to, to quiz your folks, to quiz your parents and learn about just, maybe not just restaurants, but like what they were about and what they were like. Right, what did you guys talk about with your, with your dad? You were all very close, right? The three of you? Um, yeah, so my dad was a, very very fun and interesting guy to talk to he he read a lot so he was an interesting interesting guy um we talked about everything it was very broad um we had very long conversations we loved to drink yeah wine and sit in in the restaurant and just drink and talk and talk and drink for hours um we also traveled with him in the in the like in the later years mm -hmm. he became super generous he wasn't <laughs> it was a very funny story like how he evolved yeah he he grew up with i wouldn't say misery but a lot of scarcity and and he really struggled to make money for a very long time in his life so you could you could think he was stingy now we know he wasn't he was just struggling yeah. but then when he when his business has started going well, he became extremely generous. That's cool. Or he just showed the generous side of him very um, gladly. And he was very happy to help people and pay for travels. And so we went to Italy together and Colombia and That's just great. we traveled in Mexico as well with him. We went to Turkey, to Paris. So it was it was cool to travel with him, although it was a pain because he always wanted to find Mexican food in like <laughs> Paris. <laughs> Why are there no tacos here? Yeah, he was, and he didn't like to walk that much because his leg, he had a pain in his leg. So he, he was really happy with the bikes, with the Velib. Mm -hmm. And he would love to have Velib and, and drink Café Allongé. Like he would, he would have like seven coffees and like stop in every coffee place and be very happy. Oh, so he was, he was a difficult traveler. But it was fun. Like, in the end, you really enjoy yeah. having done that. Getting to spend that much time with them must have been really cool. How old were you guys when that was going on? When you were traveling with them? So I was 28. Late yeah, 20s, like the late, the, yeah, the, just the, the end of. Wow. Last trip, we went to Colombia. And it was also really nice. Eloisa was already small. She was like eight months old or something like that. Yeah. Was he just super crazy about her? He loved her. He thought that she was she should be smarter <laughs> and she should speak more, but she was eight months. And he would have enjoyed her a lot because she really is smart She's and she really talks smart. a lot, but yeah. he didn't get to see her. Mm. But he was always saying like, But Paula was smarter at that age and we were like, <laughs> I don't know that. Like, 
That's so But he, he did enjoy her a lot. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool. So with the restaurant, I mean, you guys have gotten this, um, you've gotten this thing dropped in your lap that uh, you said something yesterday that I thought was telling you were like, we thought we were free of waiting tables. We thought we were free of it. We'd never have to do it again. And then suddenly you have to do everything in the restaurant. Like it's all now your thing. But you've seemed to have like, and you're both busy. You have your own lives, your own jobs that you're still doing. Like, I mean, Pauli, you're a mom and you have like a busy corporate job. You have a very busy job. But somehow you make time to make this thing work. Like, do you enjoy it? for the restaurantness, or is it just like is it more of like a tribute to your father like where does that land for you guys oh my god I think it's a bit of both like at the beginning it was just like this sense of responsibility like you have all these families depending on your decisions and mm-hmm. you can't just be ill prepared like you have to figure it out somehow so at the beginning it was just survival and really just solving things and making sure that people were taken care of um we also learned down the line that there's little loyalty sometimes in this business but that 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 was a tough lesson to learn now we know so particularly because you were doing it for the people that ended up not showing you very much loyalty yeah mainly help them Um, and then also this tribute to my father and trying to understand what this legacy means to us like even if it was unexpected it it doesn't mean it was not appreciated yeah and even though we didn't really care that much about the restaurants when my father was alive it doesn't mean we don't care about them now right so it's a mix of like legacy with responsibility and then learning to enjoy it it has not been necessarily a pleasurable experience um but it's also this thing, like, for me particularly, it, like, hits my ego. It's like, it, in a healthy way, it's like, how can I get given this business and not make it work? Like, yeah. I have to make it work yeah. because I can. I, I need to prove that. myself that I can. So it, it has a mix of, like, legacy and loyalty and then just, like, pure drive not fail. ambition. Like, yeah. I need to nail this. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Like in the beginning, I remember I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with these places. I've never wanted any anything, and of course, I love them because I grew up there. I I had my first jobs. I had to work with my dad. We really had to work, and he. I think what he taught us really early on was that sense of working and the the pride in work and the importance of it. And I think we've been working ever since. Like, I think I've been working ever since I was 11 because I worked with my dad and then I worked, I was a nanny and then I was like giving swimming lessons and then I just didn't stop, but it was very important. And to him it was really, I always saw him working. So I think that was like, that has been like the center of our education and of our, and and sometimes I even think of other people and and I see that they don't put that much pride into that and I, sometimes they suffer. I don't know if it's that or that helps, but I really find that, that for me that sense of working is what really keeps me going. And then, so then when I got, I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with them. And then just being with my sister and solving this because we had been together, we were really close, but then I lived in Paris for many years she lived in Mexico. When I came back, she had already moved to Panama. So we were always like seeing each other for very short periods and we didn't have a project together. We always wanted to have that and then we got it. So we did it and then we were like, oh, this really, we've always thought it would work well and it really does. And we really enjoy each other and like having each other's back at different moments when I'm not good and she's not good. We're always balancing each other and then now I really enjoy it. When I come and I, I tell everybody, like, my hobby is selling tacos. Everybody's like, what? I was like, yeah, I sell tacos. I have a restaurant. Everybody's like, and it's really fun. I, I really enjoy it because it's work, but it's a different kind of work. I really switch off from the other work I have. Yeah, I can imagine. I like that. Very, very different work between the two of you and what you do at the taco stand, or not taco stand, at the restaurant. <laughs> but you, um, there's something about it, like, there's an element of sacrifice in what you guys are doing 
that um, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of it, but what I noticed, like yesterday, you were describing what the restaurant looked like before you guys took it over, and obviously what it looks like now is incredibly different. And that that's hard. Like that's hard in your family's home. Like say you just inherited a house from from a parent, and all their stuff is there. It's like, well, I mean, I don't want to dishonor my family, but I don't like that picture. I don't like this fucking carpet. You know, like that's hard enough in a house. But you were saying like how your father's identity was wrapped up in that restaurant, and that you guys went in there and like, look, we've got to make this thing work. This is not cool. We've got to fix this restaurant. And you guys turned it around, and it doesn't look the same as it did before. It looks very like clean and like I don't want to say modern because it just sounds dumb or whatever, but it's it's nice. It's like really feels good and open and spacious in there, and I gather that's not how it looked no. before. And that like the sacrifice of doing that and the sacrifice of your time and your other projects and the things that you would otherwise be doing with your with your life. It's really interesting to me that like. It's. I think it's probably because of that sacrifice that you enjoy it so much. Do you know what I mean? Like that you give up. Is this pain that you're like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yes. like hot water <laughs> on a rash. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, okay, this. I can. I can tear off that bandaid and do this thing and make it better, which is. I don't know. It's really cool to me. It's like appealing and it makes you guys like a stronger bond and kind of more interesting as like, because a restaurant isn't just about like how good the food is or where it's located, the story, people dig stories. And your story is like way cool. It's a very interesting story. I think like what we started doing, I think what we started doing is the, the things that we saw in my dad's restaurant that we didn't like since, since he, from when he was there, we started with that. Yeah. And then the whole personality of the restaurant was really hard to get because also his friends were very they were like please don't change anything I feel but then they never came back because they were really heartbroken when my father died and they didn't want to come back because they felt but so we were like but you're not helping us by not coming and it's been a process so what we could fix what we were not so attached to which were the things that were urgent and like the kitchen and we won't go into detail (laughs) And Suffice then it to say it's beautiful now, very yeah, clean, it's a, very nice. It's amazing. Yes. But the look of the restaurant was something that we eventually a year after let go to somebody else. We were like, we're not going to decide what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to say yes or no if we like your idea, but you think about it. Right. Because we can't think beyond our feeling and our yeah. attachment. So, I don't know if it's very that's smart it's a smart way to do it so I don't think we we would have been able to do it without outside help because mm-hmm. we were stuck a little bit with my dad's identity like right. on the walls basically so it was a cry for help when when our team came we were both like about to just quit it was so exhausting um, and this guy came and he has like a new fresh energy mm-hmm. and he was like just paint it and change it and do, and he had no attachment to the place yeah. he didn't have this handicap mm-hmm. and so we just decided we were going to say yes to everything and wow. we said okay we'll just say yes to everything and then if something feels really really wrong we'll say no but let's just go with it yeah. the first day I stepped in when they remodeled it I cried I'm sure I cried and I couldn't I felt like I had betrayed my father hmm. and that I had killed him in a way. Like it was the confirmation of him being dead was the only reason that we could change that place in that way. Because he yeah. would have never let us do never. that, right? Never. <laughs> so every time we change something in the restaurant, like change the menu, change the staff, change the decoration, it's a confirmation of his passing. Yeah. And that makes it super painful. But it's also a very healthy way of processing his death. Yeah. Because it's an affirmation and it's a constructive affirmation and a way of mourning through work. Yeah. That to me is very interesting. Mourning through work. And that, like, nothing grows without something else dying. That's just the, the way things have to work. 
Like, yes. I mean, these trees, this grass, us, everything, it goes from like the actual to the metaphysical, you know, the, the metaphorical. It just, something has to go for something else to grow. Yeah. And that you guys have, I mean, you're embodying that <laughs> through tacos. That's one of the things that just keeps blowing my mind about this country is that somehow everything is just a couple steps away from a taco. From a taco, yes. Yeah, just, taco uh, is I like mean, the center of the world. It really is. <laughs> of this world. It could, uh, that could be the new cry for independence. It's yeah. Just, Viva los tacos! Viva! Viva! <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of an amazing thing that you guys have that like connection with food and, and life and death and family. It's all so beautifully in, intermingled in this country that I don't know. But what I wanted to circle around to was like, you guys have you're tethered right now to this restaurant you've got like a very serious project and things to do but you also both clearly like travel and you've done a lot of traveling i mean you've lived in other countries yes. you traveled with your father it sounds like your sister's done a lot of traveling yes where like i mean it, let me put it this way like your cousin uh, that was one of the things that like made me want to talk to her because i could tell she'd traveled you know, yes. she just seemed interesting to me and i was like okay i got to I got to ask this lady some questions. Yes. Uh, that seems like it's still probably important for you guys. You want to expose your daughter to travel. You got more travel in you. Like, where where are you with that right now? Are you even able to think about that sort of thing? Or is it just too, you got too much going on to think about travel? Well, we've been lucky enough to, to have been able to travel. I just went to Paris again after four years. I hadn't seen my friends. So I went there for 10 days. I took, I took a real vacation. I had no work, which I normally don't do. I travel for work. My, my sister travels for work as well, for her, like, the other, like, the week the other job. job. The day job. <laughs> the day job and the night job. So we do keep travel. We travel to New York together. We, like, that has not been awesome. an issue. And I think, cool. yeah, uh, we keep having plans of going to... India, maybe again back. I want to go and where did we say we want to go to Peru or something? Something. But we always we always manage. We we set up set up place and we eventually you go. just go. Well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, you make time. You prioritize traveling. We together. make time. We have a great team at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. It has helped us a lot, and I think that is the main freedom that we're getting. Um, that we can actually leave and not come every weekend and not right. be but we're always attentive of what is happening yeah, but we can all and she can say like I need time out I need to go to Italy for 10 days I was like go yeah. I went, I'll take over and then that's why we're a good team I think you're definitely a good team we're gonna hit pause because a bunch of food just showed up at this table and it's hot and looks good so are you guys cool with that hitting pause and eating some food yeah let's eat okay pause Wait, can you do that in the microphone, please? <laughs> I don't know uh, or remember where we left off. I think we were talking about travel. Tacos. Tacos. Oh, yeah, travel. I think travel. But the th we just took a break, ate some food, and while we were eating, I wish I could have still had the microphones rolling, because you were talking about traveling together. 
and the and your your parenting style that that you were raised under like that your parents were insistent upon the two of you getting along together not just because it would get on their nerves less to have you not fighting but for the future that they were planning ahead because they they know the value of like sibling and family and all that sort of thing and that you guys were able to take that and travel together on your own on purpose i think is really really rare maybe but it's super cool and i think it, it it's obviously affected the way the two of you work together why, why do you think your parents were so keen on the two of you getting along so well i think one of the really important reasons for them to want us to get along is they came from very conflicting sibling relationships and I guess that they didn't want to repeat that mistake from their parents and so they're they were super super adamant about us getting along and being good to each other like I I remember visiting my cousins and they, they would fight and hit each other and kick each other and for my sister and me that was like un Thinkable. Like we could never, ever hit each other or verbally abuse each other. Like my mom would intervene immediately and the consequences were super serious. It was, I think it was more serious to fight with my sister than any other type of mischief. Like we would not get in trouble much, but fighting each other was like a big... That's the big one? No, no. And that has helped us so much in life like I don't think I could have survived my father's passing without my sister yeah it was just so hard for me and just having her with me and knowing that she knows me and that she gets me it's so important and I mean in in the sense of traveling we always traveled together our first um trips to Europe like the first time we went to Europe we went together the first time we went to Canada we went together Um, and we would travel to the beach. Like, we would go to Tulum by bus. It was like a <laughs> 27-hour bus oh drive. Um, high on Dramamine. Like, we would take Dramamine, like, <laughs> oh, candy and so just windy, sleep yeah. all the way down. Um, and What? we would just go there totally broke. We were broke for most of our life. Um, why, and it was so Canada? much fun. Why Canada? We would just randomly go places that we thought we could afford. And there was um, this ashram in Canada where you could work uh, for stay. Mm -hmm. So that seemed like a total good deal. Uh -huh. And then you got to meditate and do some spiritual work. With, we were fine with not necessarily seeking anything particular except the experience. Right. So we went there and we worked. And it was fun and weird. <laughs> But it was good. Yeah. It was a good travel. I can only imagine. And you guys went there by yourselves, broke. Totally broke. I think our budget was like $5 a day. Each or total? No, both. Wow. For both. We, we actually But have... Only the days that were not in the ashram. Yeah, the days in the ashram we had zero. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, you just... <laughs> um, that is, of course, discounting like bus rides. Sure. Like we would, we would budget for that and mm. then our spending money was $5 per day. We also had a lot of adventures in Paris when Julia lived in Paris I would come and visit her and we were broke we had no money and we had like this whole way of experiencing Paris with no money <laughs> and we called it uh, Le Pobreton Parisien so Pobreton in Spanish <laughs> the little is popper, a popper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the popper Parisian experience <laughs> and it was super fun and I mean I don't know it was uh, it was a time in life that was It was super nice yeah. and funny. The, I think, I, I've said this before, I, I, I believe in it. If you, um, I think every relationship should be tested with travel. I think it's like the crucible. It's the thing that you can go through with another person that determines whether or not you're going to get along. Like you can fall madly in love with someone and then you take a five-day trip with them and you're like, Fuck oh that God. person. I don't ever want to see them again. But or you can find that, you know, in making decisions together and having to like figure out what you're going to do next and how you're going to when things go wrong, which they always do. Like that's the way. If you're going to start a business with somebody, you should take a trip with them. If you're going to if you think you're in love with someone, you got to go on a trip. Was that like your parents? Were they good at traveling together or no? Not really. 
I was traveling when we were kids with my parents and it was fine. I remember it was, I don't, I think we solved stuff. It was very precarious. Yeah. All the time when we were kids. And then I think this travel thing was my mom's doing a lot. She sent us for vacation when she had like no money. I don't know how she managed. She was like, I somehow saved for like a plane trip and she sent me to Costa Rica when I was 12. And you're like, you were going on vacation. And then my sister was sent somewhere else. And then we were sent together to Europe. But my mom had no money. And my dad was like, he was working at the restaurant, like yeah. not making ends meet. And she insisted that we travel wow. alone, <laughs> together or alone. And she was just like, go. You're, you're 15. You want to go to Tulum by bus? You better go. I'll give you 200 pesos. That's all I can give you. And you like, whoa. And we went. We went to. Maybe now you see dangerous situations, but we like she thought, or she felt that we were well prepared to do it, to hitchhike and to confront the world. Yeah. Like that. Maybe it was a bit wild of her, but we really did manage and. And gave us a sense of travel and gave us a sense of like, my sister would come. We didn't have any money, but that wouldn't stop us from traveling and going across the the ocean and going to Paris to the most expensive city in Europe. And then I'm like, of course I can go to Paris and like figure it out, do some tourism if I have no money. Of course I can do <laughs> it. I totally can do it. I can do it anywhere. So yeah. I think it's a strange way of approaching travel, I think. It doesn't. It just makes you a little bit unstoppable. Well, yeah, and it it seems like it's uh, affected the way that you're running your business. Like you can do things with little budget. Like you're telling me about your redecoration thing was like <laughs> yeah. the budget that you guys spent on that is outrageous. <laughs> like in the United States, it's unthinkable to do what you guys did to that to the interior of anything. <laughs> we, we didn't. We couldn't have done that to the interior of our little van for that much money. Like you guys really pulled off. That's got to be a testament to your your willingness to like be resourceful and, and thrifty and, and, and just figuring shit out on the fly. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it comes from my mother and my father. Yeah. We grew up really um, with very, very limited resources. I wouldn't say we were, po we were poor, but we were al almost poor. Um, and that's what I think the one thing it did is made us real hard workers mm -hmm. the other thing is that we enjoy life yeah. very very much like we are total um i don't know what do you what do you call it in english but like we, we really like nice food and nice wine and traveling and yeah and we we enjoy the good good things in life if we can afford them or not right <laughs> it doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter one way or the other you can enjoy one it. way or the other and we're not <laughs> scared of um, limitation yeah but we're also not scared of abundance so it's it's a good place to be in because yeah. we know where we come from mm -hmm. we don't forget where we come from but we also are willing to become as abundant as possible mm -hmm. which is sometimes I think something that can happen is that if you grow with poverty or limitation then you you become scared of having right you don't want to like lose your calluses you want to stay strong or stay stay humble and yeah. stay like yeah centered and well connected like my sister now she plays at this polo club which is like for millionaires but it doesn't mean that you are it's just because she likes polo yeah that's the only thing right that, that's the thing about being relatable if you're actually relatable, it doesn't matter how much money anybody has or how much, what their status and that sort of thing. You just relate to human beings. And that's the quality that I feel like you guys have utmost is that you're genuinely into other people, which makes you ideal restaurant people. Uh, it makes you kind of ideal partners in whatever it is that you're trying to do. And uh, I got before, I know we got to get going because you've got things to do. You got a very busy night at the restaurant. Hopefully. Uh, yes, most definitely. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you about um, your spiritual guidance. Okay. And this, you were telling me the story yesterday about the bruja. Do you mind okay, so telling no, me I'm about? I'm not sure we can tell you okay, about cool, her. Okay, cool, cool. 
Um, I don't know what how we met her. I'm not sure. Someone recommended us to her. It's it's quite common in Mexico that people consult like tarot readers or palm readers or coffee readers. Like it's part of the culture in a way. Not everybody does it. I'm sure. not gonna sure. um, exaggerate, but a lot of people do. And we started visiting this woman. I mean, for not for me, it's almost 18 years ago. Wow. I was 20 or 21 the first time I consulted her, and she's this woman who basically reads tarot and she's been giving us like consultation for many years and like everything she told she tells me has come true she's also very obsessed with julia getting finding love (laughs) with a blonde man (laughs) has not happened always three months (laughs) and no blonde no blonde love has come her way but um it's a cool thing to do because in a way, like we came to her at a point and said, what's going to happen with the restaurants? Like, should we keep them or sell them? Or like, we were very stressed. And she said, if you keep them, you'll be fine. If you sell them, you'll be fine. <laughs> Which is, I mean, sounds like a pretty stupid advice, but in a way, like it really gave us calmness Yeah. because we were like, okay, so whatever we choose, we'll be all right. It's going to be all right. Um, I'm so I'm I'm fascinated by that like the the impulse to go seek a guide and seek someone who might have insight that no no one else does like someone who has like not necessarily even just like a spiritual connection or some sort of supernatural connection to the world but someone that just seems like they know what the hell is going on you know like that that's a it's a normal impulse in people to like to look for help but there's something about the tarot card and the tea leaves and all that sort of stuff that seems like it's almost like you're asking someone to reflect on your situation yes. in an unfiltered way. Yes. Do you know what I mean? They don't have to know you very well. Yes. They can just kind of see what kind of person you are and listen to you a little bit yeah. and then just give you whether or not they're and Accurate I'm, I'm skeptical not. of all everything, of yeah. but but I don't feel like just because I'm skeptical of it, don't I don't feel like it doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something to it with ha- like reflecting on your questions with someone else in that way. I think is real interesting. Well, for me, like that's what I tell my sister. It's like ex- uh, express therapy because it's that. It's just somebody reflecting on your problems and yeah. telling you about your present really, not really your fu- it's not like oh this is going to happen yeah. in the future, yeah, blah, blah. Some of it comes out like that, but it's more like they respect you in your job. They really like you. They are going to make you travel more, blah, blah, blah. and it just actually that's what it is happening and they're like mm-hmm. you will not have any issues with money and th- you need to trust the people that you are in the restaurant with you need to trust what you're doing for example the new thing like the the remodeling and the people that came and helped us we needed to we were really we were like why are we doing this okay are we spending more money than we should because we're now you know have these consultants or not and she was she told us to trust and she's sort of like that it's like trust your life you're going in this path if you choose something else Maybe it won't be so abundant, but you can, you will also survive. So yeah. it's just somebody giving you a pat in the back and being like, "You can do it. Keep on with your life. It's gonna be okay." Express therapy is like just good Express vibes. I think. <laughs> and then she also forecasted that I would have this like very very smart daughter, which I do. You certainly do. And she do. said I would have a really really good husband, which I do. Yeah. And so it's also like express therapy. Someone gives you a pat on the back, says like, you're doing fine. And then also sometimes she throws in things that are like, oh, yeah. that happened. <laughs> I got to say, I really like your daughter. She is hilarious. She is very smart. We, uh, we had a great time hanging out at the polo match. She was like constantly dressing me, like putting gloves on me and the hat and trying to get me to dress up like I was going to go play. Uh, she is a blast. I, I really like her. You did a great job. As a mom and as an aunt, you've done an excellent job. Because that's a very important job, being a cool aunt. So. I think it's great that you clarify that we're not a gay couple well, with a daughter. Yes. <laughs> that, I mean, first impressions are important. But I, I did immediately, just for the listener, when I saw these two, I was like, oh, this is cool. 
a cool hip lesbian couple and their cute little daughter. It's like, oh wait, these are the owners of the restaurant. They're the cousins of the friend that we made last summer. But uh, I, I know we got to get got to get going. But I'm I'm just super duper grateful to you guys for being uh, who you are and being so open. And I wish you tremendous luck and uh, good fortune in your future. Whatever that may hold, I have no idea. I can't read the pizza crust leaves, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you're making good choices, and no matter what you do, it's going to be all right. Oh, thank you. Thank because you, thank at the you. end of it, we're all just going to die anyway. So That too. You've, you've got that going for you. And we could die tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so let's enjoy, enjoy the present. Like enjoy today. it now. So Indeed. take the most of it. Is there, um, I keep asking people this in Mexico, is especially because you don't normally speak English, even though your English is perfect. Is there a message that either of you or both of you would like to give in Espanol to people who might hear this, like family or, or friends or total strangers? You can say it in any language you want, because I know you speak several. But. <laughs> uh, okay, in Espanol, pues... Darle un gran aplauso a todo nuestro equipo del Tentempié, toda la gente que nos apoya. Dentro del Tentempié, fuera del Tentempié, alrededor del Tentempié, que nos apoyan como proyecto, como familia y pues que están ahí con nosotros confiando. Los quiero mucho a todos. Muy bien. Tu turno. Pues sí, creo que expresar un profundo agradecimiento a todas las personas que trabajan con nosotros, en especial a Paola que es como una hada salvadora roca locochona que nos ha ayudado realmente a entender cómo trabajar los tentempiés y es una gran maestra y, y todo lo que ella nos ha traído y lo que nos ha recomendado ha funcionado increíble y Agradezco no solo su trabajo, sino su visión y su presencia y su dedicación. Y ya, yeah, that's it. Muchas gracias, chicas. De nada. Adiós. Adiós.